0: Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. You can also catch the show on the Stitcher app as well. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com and follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. First off, big thanks to everyone at the Charm City Comedy Festival for hosting the big freaking quiz of a whole bunch of stuff last weekend. And extra thanks to Andy, Megan, and the community players for joining the panel and playing the quiz. But now, as we looked forward to Philly Sketchfest, let's talk about that. First, we're always looking for volunteers to help with some of the logistics of the festival. You know, maybe some street teaming, box office, merch sales, etc. So if you have a night free and you want to hang out with us and get some perks, there should be a link at phillysketchfest.com or you can just email me. Tickets for all four nights are available. You can search Philly Sketch Fest on Ticketfly, but I've created a redirect link, myfirstsketch.com tickets, to make it easy for you. Almost 40 acts will perform between May 31st and June 3rd from a number of places as far away as Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And that's pretty far. But today, we go to Washington, D.C. and talk to Andy Weld currently a member of bad medicine and one of the co-hosts of the sketch nerds podcast his first sketch is called yay andy andy plays andy and i read all the other characters including a coffee shop employee andy's girlfriend dr johnson and a bunch of random background people so let's go to the sketch Andy is stage right at a coffee shop.
1: Hi, I'd like a large hot chocolate.
0: Andy is handed the hot chocolate.
1: Thank you. Ow, my
0: tongue. Yay, Andy. Huh? Andy moves to center stage where his girlfriend is on the couch. girlfriend approaches Andy and embraces him. Yay, Andy.
1: Honey, I I have something terrible to tell you. I lost my job today. Yay, Andy! No, 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 I lost my job.
0: Yay, Andy!
1: Why is this happening?
0: Andy crosses the stage left. Dr. Johnson stands there with a lab coat and a sign.
1: Hello, Dr. Johnson. What's the news?
0: Dr. Johnson unfurls a sign that says, You have sickle cell anemia.
1: What does that mean?
0: Yay, Andy! Background people pop up from a box sent backstage center. Yay, Andy! Yay, Andy! Andy stumbles back towards center stage.
1: Yay, Andy? Yay, Andy? Yay, Andy? Yay, Andy? Yay, Andy. Andy.
0: And blackout. Hey, Andy, <laughs>
1: hey.
0: how are right. you? <laughs> uh, so tell me about the sketch. Tell me about yay, Andy.
1: Okay. So yay, Andy, uh, I was in a college sketch group when I wrote this. Uh, it was my first semester of my freshman year. Uh, I was, I had never done much writing before. Um, and frankly, after this didn't do much more writing in my college sketch group, um, but we would do a show once a semester where we would solicit ideas on Facebook for a week or so and just, you know, comments on the event page. Uh, and then uh, then at 8 p.m. on a Friday night, we would start looking at the uh, suggestions. We would write through the night, rehearse through the day, and then put on a, about an hour-long show the next day at 8 p.m. So 24-hour show is what we called it. Um, and one of my friends who also a freshman knew nothing of the group other than that I was in it, saw that I put something on Facebook like, hey, comment on this group. And she just wrote, yay, Andy. Uh, and so I, I honestly don't remember what caused me to take the sketch in this direction. Um, but that is a uh, that was kind of the genesis of it. I there was. Not a terribly interesting origin story. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, it's well. The first off is uh, you're in a college sketch group, so I'm I'm jealous because my college didn't have that. So uh, is this a the college sketch group? What was it called?
1: It was, uh, it was at uh, Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, and it was called Throat Culture.
0: Okay, I've heard about that because I think we had a conversation here in Philadelphia about sketch groups and comedy, and I heard the 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 word Throat Culture. I was like,
1: oh, that's actually a good name. Yeah, it was a good name, especially at a school famous for medicine stuff. Exactly. Medical-
0: um, cool. So, uh, is th- throat culture like like a, a a perennial thing at Johns Hopkins? Like, yeah.
1: So it's uh, it's I don't know when it was founded. Sometime in the mid '90s, I think, um, maybe early '90s. Um, but it's still going on. Let's see. I. I wrote the sketch in 2009 when I was a freshman. I graduated in 2013. Um, so I and I actually went in December and I saw them do a show, okay. uh, which was fun. You know, it's, it, it was kind of funny saying like, oh, wow. I, the style still feels very much like what it was when I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, there's also a sense of like, well, you know, things have come along and things have changed. So yeah, throw culture still around. I, um, I had done a lot of acting in high school, um, musicals and a couple of plays. I didn't really like musicals all that much. I love music and I love theater. I didn't really enjoy musicals, but that was kind of the one way to do acting um, a lot of the time at my high school. Yeah.
0: yeah, in high school, like at least I know the high school here, uh, or at least the high schools around me, they do one musical and one like drama or comedy, You know, regular acting. So, if you want to act, you have to do a musical. Yeah. To spend that, you know, three months of the year.
1: Right, exactly. So, that was, uh, that's what I got involved in in high school. And then I went to college. I honestly went to college thinking, well, I, I probably, I don't know if I'll do any more acting. Well, that might have been it for me. Um, but I ended up, uh, auditioning for this sketch group, Throat Culture. And I actually, so I you do would first audition, they like read a sketch with somebody. Then they had a round of callbacks where you had to bring a sketch. And I would have brought that had I had any version of it and it wasn't mm-hmm. like an audition thing, but it does not exist anymore. Thankfully, it was really, really bad. And it was like set at a, uh, a post office and it was all these terrible like, package and slot jokes and it was just like really really awful um and apparently uh basically one person in the group went to bat for me and basically said no let's ignore the writing we'll focus on how (laughs) he performs in other people's sketches um and that guy he's still a good friend of mine to this day um but yeah, so that was kind of how I got involved in the group. I initially started doing the group because I had gotten rejected from the acapella groups that I auditioned for, um, including a comedy acapella group that I later joined.
0: There, wait, um, there's a comedy acapella group at Johns Hopkins?
1: There is. It's called The, the Mental Notes. Um, and that has ended up where I ended up doing most of my writing for Stuff in College. I wrote funny songs and parodies and sketches for that. Uh, group but we would do a mix of original funny songs parodies and then it was still probably like 40% regular pop songs okay
0: that that's the part that I was like what that do they, is it all com-? like I I couldn't wrap my head around like
1: no it's, it's still it was probably mm, yeah like 60% comedy and you know it'd be songs from like Flight of the Concords or The Lonely Island right so there were like, the big names but then we wrote stuff and that was a lot of fun yeah okay.
0: Um, all right. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. What were you into growing up? What were you watching? What made you laugh as a kid?
1: Sure. I mean, I remember watching and I feel like I listened to a couple episodes of the show in preparing to be on it. Okay. And I think a lot of people say Saturday Night Live. And I would also have to say Saturday Night Live. It's the kind of thing, you know, probably when you're like 11 or 12, and it means something to stay up to 1130 uh, to be able to see it. Um and so for me, that would have been late Will Ferrell, um, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, not Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, uh, Amy Poehler. Uh, she was a little. She was a little later than that. Tina Fey, um, mm-hmm. Rachel Dratch, Horatio Sands. Uh, a lot of that kind of cast member level, and I and I think, and I and I'm not the first person to say this. You kind of remember the golden age of SNL for you usually being the age when it meant something, like I said, to stay up to see SNL. It was like really, oh, man, I'm excited. I get to see SNL tonight or this weekend. Um, so that, that was a huge influence. I remember my parents gave me a um, two comedy CDs when I was younger. One was um, – Bill Cosby, I forget which one it was. It was he recorded it in the late fifties, I think. Okay, it was really really funny. Um, just kind of very simple stand up stuff, but you know he was breaking so much ground at the time with what he was doing. Um, and then in a total different tonal note, um, Adam Sandler's "They're all gonna laugh at you." Yeah, um, completely
0: different tonal note.
1: Yeah, totally different. Definitely inappropriate um, for a twelve-year-old uh, to be listening to yeah, you, a lot of it. Uh, the toll booth Willie sketch is on there, which is a famous Adam Sandler sketch, which is basically a Worcester area. Uh, I'm from Massachusetts. It's a Worcester okay. area toll booth operator, just uh, basically yelling obscenities at uh, people who drive by. Um,
0: do you know why your parents gave you a Adam Sandler? I don't
1: think they quite that knew, the, um, knew the depth of the, the, the depravity um, in the on the CD. I'm not sure they quite grasped the language yeah. that would be on there. My parents, while not being strict, were certainly, you know, they didn't want me as a young child swearing.
0: Yeah, that's a um, yeah. surprise for parents sometimes, I think.
1: No, I, I definitely think so. Yeah. Well, so
0: especially in contrast to, like, because I think most of his movies, like, are PG-13s, like...
1: Yeah, I think so. And, and my parents were straight about that. Like, I was not allowed to watch PG-13 movies until I was 13 um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, those were some early stuff that I remember being, you know, really thinking about. And then kind of probably... A lot of animated shows on Nickelodeon, like that, Make Me Laugh, Spongebob, Fairly Odd Parents, that kind of stuff. Um, really enjoyed that. And later on into high school, the kind of the first sketch that wasn't SNL or MAD TV that I remember really seeing and really enjoying is uh, Derek Comedy. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Donald Glover's NYU sketch troupe. Mm-hmm. um i really enjoyed that um stuff from like early youtube stuff like smosh i guess they're still around but i, I haven't really
0: yeah I, I think there's still some iteration of smosh
1: yeah out but there. they did like they kind of did sketches when they first when they were first starting and i don't i i assume that's still the case but i'm not like oh six, oh seven, oh eight, I when YouTube was like really out there and you had a lot of the you had like Vlogbrothers and all these vlog things starting out. I was really into it. Tried to do my own, it was not good. Um, but so I was really into it then and I don't kind of not in the loop on YouTube anymore. I, I'm not fifteen, so it's tough to stay in the loop on YouTube, I feel like. Um but yeah. Those are kind of the early influences that I or early thing I remember paying a lot of attention to.
0: Uh, I ask everybody, who is your favorite SNL cast member all time?
1: Uh, uh, Will Forte. Yeah? Yeah, hands down. down. Um, He brought uh, absurdity to SNL that I love. Um, And there was certainly absurdity before him. But Will Forte committed to things in a way that I don't see many other cast members commit to. Mm -hmm. Um, Stuff of his that I love, The Falconer. Yeah. Great recurring sketch of his MacGruber. The uh, MacGruber movie is also seriously underrated. There are not a lot of good SNL movies and that's actually one of them. I think, um, what else? Uh, he did uh, his, uh, weekend update bits that he would do would be really great. Um, he played the Senator Tim Calhoun. I, I, Tim Calhoun was one of my favorite characters, yeah, which was one of his audition characters actually. um, Tim Calhoun um he did a song once called history for women's history month um and it's just like him say like Betsy Ross made a flag Rosa Parks sat on a bus uh, Emily Dickinson yeah. books and it's just kind of like saying the name of a woman and then like three three words about whatever she's famous for or less and it just cracked me up. Uh, he I find him so funny. He was also the voice um, on one of my favorite um, seriously underrated TV shows, which was Clone High, uh, which was Phil Lord and Chris Miller uh, before they were kind of Lego movie guys, and it was a, a show it was a Canadian show that ran eight of the 13 episodes on MTV before it was canceled about clones of famous people going to high school together. Uh, and he voiced Abe Lincoln, uh, who was best friends with Gandhi and Joan of Arc. Uh, he had a crush on the cool girl at school, Cleopatra, who was dating the cool guy at school, JFK. Um, and it's one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. You can find all the episodes on YouTube. Great mix of highbrow and lowbrow. But Will Forte, just I love his stuff. Last Man on Earth is great. Yeah.
0: Last Man on Earth is. Yeah, I love Last Man on Earth right now. Like, um, It's one of my favorite shows on currently and the fact that like every every episode has a cliffhanger and i'm dying to know what happens
1: next like was great and especially that that pilot episode that like 30 minutes of just him yeah um was really so great and just a a great display of just how great um will forte is uh as an actor
0: absolutely um okay so you you do theater things in high school. Yep. You join uh, th- throat culture in college. Yep. What bridges to after college? Like, after college, you, you've you done the acapella so, group, you've done after- the sketch group, and what's next for you?
1: So, after college, I moved to DC, um, where I've now lived for five years, I guess, if it's I about graduated five years ago. Um, I moved to DC, where I. Uh, first, I didn't do much. I was kind of really focused on getting a job. I, I only had an internship when I moved here. So I kind of had to devote all of my time to trying to find a job, which was uh, awful and exhausting. Um, and that took like a year. That was a really long process. Uh, when I moved to D.C., I didn't really uh, do much performing. As I said, I I had come off of doing a ton of acapella in college. That ended up taking more of my time than the sketch did. Uh, it was just more demanding, um, just eight hours of rehearsal a week as opposed to like an hour and a half for the sketch stuff. And the acapella tended to take precedence over the sketch uh, group at the time. Um, so when I moved to DC, I ended up finding a friend who was in an acapella group here. And I joined that acapella group, which uh, lasted for another year or so until it kind of fell through. And I was still really itching to do sketch comedy, I kind of felt that itch again to get more involved in the comedy scene. I did a little bit of stand-up um, in D.C., um, and I'd done some in college, but there wasn't really the format that I liked um, for comedy. Uh, so I went to... There's a theater in D.C. called Dojo. Um, How do you find out about Dojo? I found out about Dojo by Googling sketch comedy. Okay. Okay, so... Um, but Dojo is one of the kind of, I guess there are two theaters in DC that um, have sketch comedy classes. Okay. Uh, I guess there's a third. I guess you can do them at DC Improv as well, but that's kind of more, that's like a professional club. Um, Dojo is a theater that has improv and sketch, but they also one uh, Saturday or Sunday a month, they have what they call a sketch jam where you can bring a sketch that you've written and have actors that are there perform it Okay. Uh, and so I thought that would be a good way to kind of get back involved in the scene um, and so I went there I brought a sketch that I wrote later on in college that we didn't end up performing um, about a crazy car salesman um, and I did did the sketch jam people read the sketch, people laughed I was talking to one of the people who organized afterwards and they said hey We're having this sketch comedy happy hour next week. You should go. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I went, and that's actually still something we do every three or four months. Um, But I go to the sketch comedy happy hour, and that's where I meet uh, a guy named Isaiah Hedden, who was one of the founders of Bad Medicine. Uh, Bad Medicine is the sketch group I'm in now. Isaiah invited me to a Bad Medicine meeting. Um, I went to that meeting. It was very enjoyable, and they liked me. And that was uh, three years ago now. Okay, so, you, so
0: so bad medicine's been a thing. Before bad
1: medicine's been around for four and a half years.
0: Okay, so not that much long, longer before you.
1: But yeah, so it's been around for about a year and a half, two years before I joined.
0: Did you do any classes with Dojo?
1: No, I didn't. Okay. Um, some of that was feeling like... You've had- I was in a group for four years in college. Yeah. I didn't feel the need to, t- and I didn't feel the need to start at one. Yeah. Uh, I recognize that that was probably a little cocky or a little uh, self-absorbed maybe um, because I'm sure I could have learned things had I gone and done one. Yeah. I, I uh, totally
0: understand like your rationale of I've done this for four years. What do I like?
1: Yeah. I don't need to start at the beginning. Like, right exactly so i hadn't taken any classes um bad medicine now teaches a workshop that i have been involved with i don't teach it but i kind of have helped out with it um but no i i haven't i haven't done any classes at any point you know when we go and do festivals oftentimes at festivals there are workshops and things like that i'll go to workshops and, um but no no there were no classes involved at any point um yeah so i, I joined bad medicine which is not which had not been until this year tied to a theater. It had been independent and using theater space. Where we so
0: are you it. now like, are you now tied to a theater? Are you?
1: So for the year we are, there's a theater um, in DC called the Unified Scene Theater. Okay. Um, it's a little, I guess you'd call it a black box theater, though the walls are all white. Um, hmm. it, uh, it's mostly an improv theater. Um, there's a huge improv scene in DC. Um, there's wit, which is Washington improv theater. Um, and a lot of most other dojo has, uh, improv classes. Unified scene has improv classes. The DC improv has improv classes. Um, a so huge improv scene, um, which is mostly what unified scene had done, but people who, the people who founded bad medicine knew the guy who started the unified scene. And so we have entered into a deal with them for this year to do four shows there. We did one in February. We're doing one May 19th, and then we're doing another one in September and in December.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it's kind
1: of testing out this relationship with a the theater.
0: So it's kind of like a residency with... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, So entering into a group that exists uh, for about a year and a half before you join it, what is it like joining a what are the dynamics like of joining
1: an ex- established group already? So you? a lot of it, uh, and, and not only was it, the, the group had been established for a year and a half, but most of the people who founded had known each other for a while. Okay. Um, it, it wasn't like the, they, you know, they'd been around for a while, um, as independent people, um, who knew each other. Um, so, but joining as a new person, a lot of it is just listening and watching. Mm hmm. Um, it's kind of getting cast in parts when, when you can get it, trying to write stuff that you hope will, someone will like, you know, being, uh, being really open to workshopping and you should always be open to workshopping, of course. But I think it's early on, especially it's, you're trying to get a sense of, well, what's the voice of the group? Um, where do I fit in, in that? How can I how can I contribute? Like, what are all of the things that I can do to be more involved where I can do prop runs. I can, you know, do lights for a show that I couldn't make the rehearsals for. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, especially early on for me, at least it was, this is really exciting. I want to be more involved. I'm going to do all these little things that I can do to try and, you know, show my worth and show why I want to be around.
0: Uh, so yeah you say Isaiah comes out to you to the happy hour do you remember what you took to that show like what your sketch was that like mighty like perked his interest
1: yeah so I took a uh, I took a sketch it's called Earl Waters Carporium um, and it's a sketch that my uh, that Bad Medicine ended up doing about a year later severely edited Uh, my Especially my first kind of year in bad medicine, I would write scripts that were like eight pages long. Oh, jeez. Like really, really long, really meandering. You know, there were still three beats, but I would have a lot of fun playing with little, like little games mm-hmm. here and there. Um, and Earl Waters Carporium is a long sketch, but it's about a couple that goes to buy a used car. Um, and when they start talking to the car salesman, he just talks to the audience like he's in a car commercial. Um, and so the husband is trying to figure out what's going on while the wife is slowly coming around to the insane universe that is Earl Waters yelling at the audience while um, horrible things are happening to her husband. Like he, Earl Waters says, you won't get assaulted by our competition. And then people in t-shirts that say the competition come out from backstage and just start beating up the husband okay, yeah. um, and the wife is just ignoring it. It's kind of it, it's two worlds colliding. Um, and It was the kind of sketch where I think people were like, well I, there's promise in the premise. Mm-hmm. Um, the execution has some work to be done um, and it I think it ended up being only maybe three and a half pages after we cut it down um but yeah that was that was that that was that sketch earl waters which um had i not been able to find yay andy i would have brought earl waters the original draft of it which i do still have
0: okay yeah um uh bad medicine really uh brands yourselves at oh and i totally
1: just forgot what it is it's the dc's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity
0: yeah uh, so tell me about that like the branding like because i've been listening to your podcast the the, the new podcast that we'll talk about in a little oh, bit Oh, awesome um tell me about arc almost, of the worst of humanity best best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity
1: so that that motto existed before i was around before i came about um the the origin of that and kind of the reason that that's the bent is I think the original philosophy of the group was to take, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a darkly absurd look at life, um, which I think we still do to a point. We have different – we now have like – the group, if you count all of its members, is 17 people. That's a lot. Uh, it is a lot. it. There are very rarely that many active members kind of for a single show. In fact, there are never that many active members. We're doing an hour-long show in May, and we have nine actors for that. Okay. So that's probably – and that's about what you what we'd want for an hour. Um, but so that origin is kind of taking a – like, like I said, a darkly absurd look. And I think a lot of it is to distinctly say, without saying, that we are not a political sketch group. Um I surprisingly you'll find that most of the comedy scene in DC is apolitical.
0: I, I was about to ask, because like they're at the epicenter. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Like, and I think for that reason, um there's not a lot of politics um in the DC comedy scene. There is more more in the stand up than in the sketch or the improv scene. Um but we really we wanted to make sure that it was, we didn't want to say anything about being political in our branding and a lot of that branding and that outreach and kind of, we have a big social media presence and that comes back to the work that Isaiah does. Mm-hmm. Um, he is out there all the time. He's a writer, uh, and a director and a producer for us. He's also a professional editor. So he's behind most, if not all of our videos. Okay. Um, But Isaiah, he's, Isaiah's updating our Instagram every day. He's on our, he's doing stuff on our Facebook every day, um, and kind of pushing that, that marketing out.
0: Okay. Um, all right. So, so Bad Medicine has started a podcast, uh, called Sketch Nerds. So tell me about, uh, this new podcast, this new endeavor for you, uh, what's about? Sure.
1: Yeah, so Sketch Nerds uh, came from uh, myself and another guy in bad medicine, Julian. We were both talking about wanting to start a podcast, and we exchanged some emails about ideas. And there are a lot of comedy podcasts out there, funny podcasts out there. And what we wanted to do was do a podcast that was funny, but also um, analytical. Mm -hmm. So the way sketch nerds works is there are three hosts. There's myself and Julian and then another bad medicine member, Seth Alcorn. Um, and Julian's last name is Julian Morgan. Um, and then we bring in a guest with the exception of the first episode when we didn't have a guest. Um, and we bring in a guest and we talk about, um, a sketch that they like, usually a sketch from a, a famous sketch troupe, whether it's, uh, Chappelle show, uh, Saturday night live, Mitchell and Webb, mad TV, uh, Mr. Show kind of, or even stuff from the internet, good neighbor stuff, Derek comedy. Um, there's no, there's nothing that it needs to have aired on television or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we bring sketches and then we spend about 15 to 20 minutes on each sketch talking about what makes it funny. And it's really kind of dissecting the frog, but it's we talk about structure and game. There have been a lot of episodes. Um, some of them have uh, been released now. We've recorded 13 episodes now, but I think we've only released, I think the seventh episode came out today. Um, we wanted to have a, a full stable of them before we started releasing. Um, and we released four at once initially. Um, but we get, dive in a lot Unexpectedly into a lot of the social underpinnings behind sketches. When you talk about Dave Chappelle, it's tough not to talk about race. Yeah. And so talking about race in comedy, race in the sketch, race in comedy. And then we got one of the episodes, we got into a really interesting discussion about kind of like uh, Julian is half black and half Mexican and talking to Julian about what it's like to be black in the mostly white DC sketch and improv scene. And so it, it, the podcast has taken some unexpected turns in episodes that have been really interesting, I Mm -hmm. think. Um, but the core of it is still, let's take a sketch and let's talk about why it's funny. The tagline that I say when I do the intro is, uh, what we like, what we don't like and why. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah and it's interesting because like if especially with talking about the social things i mean chappelle stopped his show because he thought people were laughing at it for the wrong reasons or like the audience wasn't what he wanted it to be or wasn't reacting the way they should have been or which when you're a creator like does have to be you know somewhat distressing if you feel that way like
1: well, I think that's a huge thing and it's not just in comedy. It's in any kind of art. It's um, what's it called? The death of the author is what it's called in literary criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, basically does what the, does our author's intent matter? Um, and do they have any control over their creation once it goes out into the world? Yeah. Um, I am someone in the literary perspective who thinks that yes, author's intent does matter. Um, but most people would say no, it doesn't, and I understand why they would say no, it doesn't because once you've created art, you know, it's out there in the world and people are free to interpret it however they want. You don't have, you know, a recording of Picasso explaining Guernica to you if you look at it in Spain or it's in Spain right now. Um,
0: yeah, I, I think, yeah, was it uh, in high school, we you know, my English teachers taught us about like you know, all these different like interpretations of reading how like this scene could mean this and blah 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 and then like 10 years later I found this article I want to say it was on mental floss where like high school students were writing to authors asking about like the uh the imagery or the uh just the imagery of a of a, of a scene and being like does this what is that what it means and they're like no that's not at all what I was trying to do like so I'm totally on like I'm probably more on the
1: author's original intent side
0: than anything yeah. else.
1: Well, and I, you know, I think it's, you know, the, the, the counter argument then go is basically if it's a good book and a good author, there are these themes that are pervasive throughout the book sure. and the author may have unwillingly or unknowingly done this. Um, and I, I, I agree. I don't think that's generally the case. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, I see the argument.
0: Uh, with Bad Met, like, um, so with doing this podcast, like, has, if you're digging deep into video sketches and stuff, has it helped you dig, dig deeper into your own work?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, it certainly made me just think more about um about sketches uh and about structure um you know one of the most recent episodes we taped we talk about the game show structure um to a sketch and so we ended up kind of the at the close of that episode we talk about kind of you know is there anywhere to go in the game show sketch can you is there something new to be done with the game show sketch um and so we talked about ideas and one of the ideas turned into a blockout sketch we're going to do at our next show. Oh, cool. um, so that was, that was kind of fun and interesting. Um, but it has made me think a lot about structure and I tend to write now uh, list sketches and character driven sketches mm-hmm. often overlapping. Um, and mostly because what I write tends to be absurd. And those are two vehicles for absurdity Um, because you can just put a ridiculous character in a situation and see how the world reacts to that character. Um, And there are kind of two approaches. I always think it's so interesting with the character sketch is there are two approaches I think to it or kind of two world building techniques. You either have a character who has been given a perspective and is put into a world and to have their and to see how, how they voice their perspective and how they react to the world. Or you have the character who still has a perspective or a voice put into the world and you see how the world reacts to that character. Mm -hmm. I think those are the two different ways to structure the game of the character sketch. Um, whether the response to the character is escalating or the character is escalating. Um, and so that it, it, it's stuff like that as I'm watching these sketches. And one of the things is as we're doing, as we record the episodes, I'm watching the sketches beforehand and writing questions to ask. Um, so I have to think, like really hard. And sometimes it's really hard to think of questions for sketches. Sometimes it's two minutes and it's really stupid and you have to like stupid, funny, but stupid. And you are trying to think of these analytical questions. Um, But I think that has kind of gotten the wheels churning for me about um, how to write and what to write. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, For sure. So, and I ask everyone as we close up, what is something that you've learned from comedy that you would pass on to a new writer or, whether it's just something about the craft of comedy or something even existential, something, some life lesson that you've, you've learned.
1: I think crafts of comedy thing that you could make existential if you wanted to is, um, uh, your idea is, is never perfect. It's never a hundred percent right. Uh, Mm -hmm. probably never 90 or even 80% right. You need to listen to feedback. Um, you need to be open to accepting notes. Um, you need to be open, open to developing your concept, taking it in a different direction. Um, you know, stick to your guns uh, when needed, but, you know, be open, listen. The hardest thing about feedback is not to defend uh, what you've written. Um, and there's a certain degree, yeah, you should defend it. But um, you don't get to defend what you write to the audience right uh, so that's probably my biggest
0: right you, you still have to be clear on your purpose like in that in the uh in the workshopping stage of a sketch, you can say, oh, this is why this I did this joke, yeah. but if that joke doesn't work on stage, you can't go to somebody like yeah, right very true uh and then finally, why do you do this why like? I'm assuming you're not making a full time living from comedy. So why is this your chosen free time?
1: Oh, because it makes me happy. Um, I love, I love performing. I love making people laugh. Um, I get a real rush out of it. Um, it's something that, um, I want to do full time. If I could figure that out. Mm -hmm. Um, So some of that is that drive to make it the real deal, make that my career. Um, But most of the time, even if I realized that's never going to happen, it is still so much fun to get up there and to make people laugh. And I love the process. And with Bad Medicine, I do writing, acting, and directing. I love every part of it, and it's so much fun to take that kernel of an idea that you share with somebody on G chat. Like, what if we did this and mm. how that develops into a first draft and the second draft and the third draft. Then I'm typing at the thing like version eight, um, and getting it going, getting actors into the roles, um, and having people see it like, uh, you know, that, that audience response is such a rush, the laughter, um, so good uh yeah i, just, I like laughing and i like making people laugh that's probably the uh the one sentence version of
0: it hmm. that seems decently enough thank you for thinking that's
1: decent no <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh all right all right so uh yeah thanks andy
1: awesome man well thank you for having me on your show and uh we're really excited that uh you're gonna be on sketch nerds right when we're up in philly we're gonna find some time to record with you yes
0: we will figure something out awesome at least, at least me uh kurt was interested when i talked to him the other
1: night that's uh, awesome uh would love to, i'm definitely gonna be up there i don't know if either of the other co-hosts are gonna be up there but that's not gonna stop <laughs> uh so, yeah, so we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, we're look, really looking forward to talking to you. Uh, excited to see what you choose for a okay. sketch. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed yeah, it. thank you.
0: Bad Medicine will perform at Philly Sketchfest on Saturday, June 2nd in the 7 o'clock block at the Ruba Club, along with An Evening with the Authors, and Unstoppable Failure. Tickets are now available. Bad Medicine also produces a podcast about sketch comedy called Sketch Nerds, which is available weekly wherever you get your podcasts. They're hosting an introduction to sketch comedy workshop at the Unified Scene Theater on Saturday, May 12th, and they'll return to the Unified Scene Theater the following week, May 19th, to perform a show with special guests Nixon. Head to Bad Medicine's Facebook page for more information about those, and you can follow Bad Medicine on Twitter and Instagram at badmedicine DC. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at PhillySketchfest.com or on Twitter at PHL Sketchfest or on Instagram at Philly Sketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at NonoBand.bandcamp.com. And of course, like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. And go see some comedy.